Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of It's Britney B Podcast, a show where you and I go on a journey and break down subjects that most of us want to talk about, listen to, or want to be a part of. I'm your fun-loving host, Brittany, and today we have a special guest, and after this intro, I will tell you who he is. Now, if you're ready, sit back, relax, and let's chat. Okay, y'all, today we have a special guest here. Uh, He's our first guest to appear on the show, and let me tell you that he's no regular schmegular guy, ladies and gents. Oh, no, this guest I have here is literally one of a kind. He's an actor, a musician a model, and an executive producer for the upcoming movie, The Port. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you World Pennywell. What's up, everybody? Hi. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Show's great to be here. Pardon my voice. I just got over a sickness, so you're going to get this sultry voice today. First things first, let's get to know you. Who is World Pennywell? Well, I would describe myself as an actor, uh, executive producer, uh, musician, a gangster, and a gentleman. Yeah, a gangster and a gentleman. Okay, where are you from? I was originally born in um, Clinton Township, um, small town right outside of Detroit. But I've traveled all over the world. I moved all over the world, so I've lived in a lot of different states, a lot of different countries. I visit. Is that why you go by World? Yeah, that's you know a little yeah. something. I, so I gave myself that nickname. Nice, nice. Well, let's start from the beginning. Tell us about your childhood. Mm. Um, well, I basically was raised up in a single-parent household, uh, just my mother and my sister for the most part. And, uh, you know, we was like the typical, you know, low poverty, um, Section 8, welfare-type family, you know. And uh, for the most part, we just, you know, we ain't really have much growing up, so it's not really really much to really talk about. Um, I spend a good part of my youth in and out of like juvenile homes, detention centers, and stuff like that. Um, me, my mother, and my sister we was raised up in like a small household. My aunts, my cousins, all of us was basically always together, always in one household. So, um, like childhood was real fun for me, even though we didn't really have much money and stuff like that. You know, we. We would still have, uh, you know, fun doing what we do as kids. You know, we make up games, do what we do. Um, I really didn't start getting into much trouble until I left outside of home. Um, inside the house, you know, typical kid. But um, when I went outside, like my neighborhoods and stuff, it was like drug dealing, pimps, you know, that type of environment. So didn't really go outside much when I in my real youth. As my teenage years came around and I start actually getting out and mingling and stuff like that, that's when all the trouble started happening for me. How old were you about that time? Mm, I'd probably say about 15, 15, mm. 16. Yeah, about 15, 16 is when I started actually getting caught, getting in trouble or whatnot. It's normal to me because, like, everybody around me was bad. It wasn't, mm. like, wasn't no good kids around us. What kind of stuff would you do out in the streets? Any tickle stuff, you know, steal stuff, you know, sneak into the movies, uh, Mm-hmm. You know, breaking into people's houses, cars. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, basically whatever we could do to, you know, get a little extra money or, you know, be able to get, you know, some new tennis shoes or something like that for the most part. Okay. Well, did you have a relationship with your dad? Um, Not really. I had a, it was a small point in my life. I think maybe two years when my father was around or whatnot. But for the most part, he was in and out of prison. Um, he went to state penitentiary then he went to the federal penitentiary 
Um, and so he was in and out. So I didn't really see him much. And when he was out, he was a hustler. So he was always in the streets and stuff. So that wasn't, you know, really wasn't really a part of my childhood. It was just really me and moms and my sister. Okay. What about, um? tell me about Juvie. What got you in there? Okay. So, uh, so first, uh, first thing happened was I ended up catching like assault charge, you know, just for fighting, just regular stuff. And they put me on probation. So, you know, when they get you on probation, you got to you gotta follow the rules or they're going to, you know, they're going to tap that butt. So basically that's what happened to me. I ended up getting caught with uh, uh, with drugs, crack cocaine or whatnot. And then I had a sought to do bodily harm, less than murder, like at the same time. So um, I got bonded out for one, bonded out for another one. And then the last one, I never made it back home. I was went to juvie on Christmas Eve. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, kind of <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, it was during the blackout, too. So it was dark. Oh, it was yeah. dark as hell in there. So it was a little Probably bit. cold. Real cold. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah. Well, how do you think that juvie affected you, like, as a teen? Because, you know, growing up, I can't say that I've ever been in juvie. I grew up with a single-parent household. It was me and my mom, my brother. But I know that juvie would have affected me. How do you, how did it bug you? Like, how did it? Um, Bug me. I, so, I guess when you say, like, you're a product of your environment, like, I guess sometimes when you poor, you don't really know you poor. And like when you really like off the wrong path and you really like real mischief and everyone else around you the same way, you, you kind of don't realize that like you should be doing something different. It's like a norm. It's just a normal. So it's yeah. like all my friends went to the youth home, you know, went to, you know, Boysville, Maxie training school, Wolverine, you know, it was, it was kind of like a badge of honor for like troublemakers. So it wasn't, it wasn't like one of those things where like, I was like, my life is ruined type thing. It was just like, oh, I'm going to juvie for six months or a year or whatever, and I'll be back home and, you know. See you soon. See you soon. <laughs> Did music start incorporating in your life around that time? Because usually you hear different rappers talking about, like, you know, I've always listened to music, how, you know, their trouble and their youth kind of inspired where they were coming from. And did music pop in in your teens for inspiration where you wanted to do music not really so much I music for me as a you know as a teen or youth was more like recreational it was more like a hobby thing mm -hmm. but when I did get locked up like in the youth home or juvenile I did you know write a lot of poems and raps during that time and I did a lot more like freestyle and stuff like that but I never really pursued music it wasn't like a it wasn't like a passion I didn't really think it was a realistic way of like getting out of the hood mm-hmm you know? You said you could freestyle. That's really hard, but you were just like off the bat. I mean, I guess it depends on the talent that's around. So, like when you're a kid, you know, you freestyling about food and <laughs> candy, and, you <laughs> yeah. know, just you know somebody's butt or something like that. It ain't you know really lyrical or nothing like that, but it's real fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, so you were in in and out of juvie as a teen. Well, let's transition into adulthood what what was that like when you turned 18 how was the world then he's a man he's an adult what was that like and we don't even have to just be stuck at 18 just when you entered adulthood mm. well okay well I guess at, at 18 when I was you know um, going into adulthood I was already in trouble so I was facing two 
uh, two felony charges in two different states. Before 18? At 18. At 18. Yeah, oh, one cool. at 17 and then one at 18. Coming in adulthood strong. Yeah, it came in <laughs> exactly, exactly how they programmed me to come in, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was basically facing two different charges, an armed robbery charge and then uh, um, soliciting of drugs in two different states, basically similar situation. I got bonded out in one state, went back to another state, and got caught in another state. Oh, my God. I guess I wasn't that good of a criminal mm. now that I look back at it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. So you were saying you were hustling as a kid, and you were dealing with two felony charges coming into 18. Did you still continue to hustle? Yeah, I mean, my... Basically, my whole life, I basically had to hustle in some way, shape, or form. But at this specific time, I had to, you know, get it that way. That was the way I knew. That was the way that, you know, people, my peers around me were finding ways to close the gap between, mm -hmm. you know, the have and the have-nots. So, you know, drug sales, uh, robbing, pimping, those things in my neighborhood was the type of stuff that, um, you know, people did to make money, you know, to close the gap from, you know, the poverty gap. So, I, you know, at that time, that's I did whatever the, my environment allowed me to, whatever the environment gave me. So if I moved to another state and, you know, cocaine or weed, you know, or prostitution was the thing there, then that's whatever I would do, you know, to make money at that time. Okay. When did you go to the penitentiary in your adulthood? Mm, 19. 19? Yeah, 19. Okay. I like how you mentioned on your YouTube channel uh, with stories and music that you said prison was like a criminal college. What, do you, what did you mean by that? Criminal college. Um, exactly what it is. It's <laughs> like you're, you're, in, you're in a facility, you know, just like Western or Eastern Michigan of U of M, and you have dorms and dorms and dorms of convicted felons. Everyone's in there from small time, you know, check, check cash and stuff all the way up to murder. So you're in there with, it's like a, you know, university for criminals. Every, every yard, all the doors break and all the criminals come out to the yard, everybody mingle, you know, and you'd be surprised what you learn in there. You learn how to cook food from scraps. You know, you learn how to make shanks from scraps. You know how to, you learn other people's crimes, you know, cause they're telling you what they did to get in there. You know, it's like, bragging rights once again so they're you know you're figuring out what they did right and what they did wrong you know mm -hmm. as far as with their crime so that's why I said it like it's a criminal college like all people in there is doing is figuring out ways to become better criminals oh, different courses like you said how to cook how to build shanks that's like culinary arts and whatever auto, auto body type mm -hmm. stuff well obviously I would imagine you faced challenges being locked up did you have anybody there that has inspired you or did you have a mentor? Mm. Well, um, I guess everyone that goes into prison is going to have some, some form of mentor. Like you either going to roll with, you know, the Sumi Muslims, the Christians, you know, the, you know, the robbers, the East side, the West side, whatever your state, however your state is made up, made up blood crips, whatever. So I would say like, the biggest challenge um, was not really the people. I never, I moved a lot. So I never, it never really bothered me to be in a, like diverse of different people. What bothered me is like prison politics and like correctional officers. So there's a lot of, you know, 
inhumane things that go on there. It's a lot of things that, you know, the officers do um, to the inmates and stuff like that, you know, food, you know, um, so on and so forth. I could go, I could really write a book about that type of stuff. So adjusting to that, like having people tell you what to do, where you can go, what you can't do, locking you in your room, you know. And you're a grown man and there's a man man telling you, yeah. Yeah, so that, that is. And then in there you have like, different groups so like you got to understand the politics like how things run like who's in charge of what and you know do's and don'ts basically so that was challenging because I was very young so I didn't I didn't really know much and I'm not really um I wasn't really a social person so I ended up coming across a, a gentleman named Flag Bay he was in there, he was like 23, I was 19, but this was his second uh, prison bit. He had did like a one to three and went home and then came right back. But he basically taught me the do's and don'ts of prison, like uh, how to jail, they would call it. So yeah, he's a real good brother, very intellectual and smart and intelligent. I didn't find out to months later that he's doing two natural lives. So I was like hanging with the, hanging with him for months and months and months. We just kicking it, working out, cooking. And he talking about going home and, you know, like things he going to do and stuff he going to do with his kids and all that stuff. So, like, in my mind, I would have never thought he was doing a long time. And then I was only doing, you know, a short time compared to a lifer. So I didn't, you know, I didn't really know. it, But, like, basically we became good friends. We started out working out, you know, cooking up, you know, kicking knowledge, you know, black empowerment, you know, talking about how, like, you know, men got to take care of their family, how they got to, you know, hold it down and, you know, change the – the cycle and so on and so forth. So he, he didn't really mentor me just for prison. He kind of actually helped me mentor me for life. He sounds like a, yeah. like a big brother role. Exactly what he was. Nice. You know, big brother or big cousin or you yeah. know, big uncle, however you want to put it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's nice. Tell me about the LB story that you mentioned on your stories and music on YouTube. Well, so my last two and a half years of prison, you know, I, I end up getting lucky. You call this lucky when you ride into a joint because they, they transfer you to different facilities after, you know, so long. So I had came back from Tennessee because, I you know, I had to fight a case. So they transferred me from one state to another to fight a case and then brought me back. So I happened to get lucky and I end up, you know, going to a prison where my uncle was there. I call him my uncle. He's, he was my father's best friend. So when my father was in prison, you know, he would come around, you know, buy me shoes and give me money and, look out for me, grab me coats for wintertime, stuff like that. So I always called him my uncle. So I ended up at a prison with him, you know, and he basically taught me the ism, you know, pimping. Um, that was his, you know, his profession. That's what he did. That's what he was great at, you know, from our environment. So, um, you know, he taught me the game and just, you know, how not to um, just settle for anything when it comes to um, friends, you know, family or females. Like you got to have boundaries, moral standards, and you got to stick to it. You can't, you know, really bend the fold too much on that. And, um, you know, that helped, that helped me a lot in life too. You know, that, that helped me get my first six figures, you know what I mean? Because it helped you to be disciplined and it helped you to weed out BS. A lot of stuff that, um, I, I previously dealt with before I went to prison, you know, I had a whole different mind state between flag Bay and LB you know, like the devil in the, in the angel on my yeah. shoulder, it kept me balanced. It gives me that that edge. I keep my street, but I also became intellectual. And then you put it together and you become just... World Pennywell. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Nice. I do like that. 
Okay. So transitioning out of prison, you're released from prison. And as you mentioned, LB mentioned about the isms and helping you grow stuff that you can apply outside of prison. What happened after you were released? Well, basically, I was released during the recession. So it was Ooh. it was like 2009, 2010 era. So, you know, um, my mother, which was my only support system at that time, you know, I ain't have no, like, friends or, you know, ladies at the time that was able to support me. Everybody was really doing bad, you know. People were losing their house, um, losing their jobs, you know. Stock market crashed, everything, you know, had went down. So when I came home, really no choice for me but to kind of get back into the streets. I really didn't want to. Like, I really felt I had evolved. So, like, when I was doing it, like, my little conscience was telling me, like, man, you got too much game for this. You got, you know, that's my uncle saying, you got too much game for this. Like, you way too smart to be doing what the average person is doing in your situation. Like, you have to find, you know, a better way. So um, I initially started going to college so, like, it was just, like, the only thing that I could do, really. It wasn't because I wanted to get educated. So, it be, I wanted the student loans. Like, yeah. I, I needed some money. You yeah, know? So, I feel you on that. So, um, I initially started for the student loans. But I was going to be a gynecologist. <laughs> but then I found out you couldn't get licensed. For real. You couldn't get licensed as a felon. So, it was like, well, I'm not going to do this. So, then I went to, like, surgical technology, which is, you know, the person that passed the instrument to the doctor. Yeah. They ain't gonna let you work in no medical field with no felonies either. So now I'm now I'm back to like you know a little discouraged. Right? Like what? Yeah. What the heck? What no am I job. Do? No, you know schooling don't seem at this point. It don't seem like it's for me. So I go back to the streets. You know that's when I start applying. You know all the hustles I had previously, plus my new knowledge from prison into like the streets and you know basically doing whatever I had to do to make money. But it didn't really last too long because, like, three months later, I ended up back in jail. And um, lucky by the grace of God, you know, they sent me back home with a tether. And I was on house arrest for, like, 90 days. But during that time in jail, I don't know, it was just like a, a rude awakening. Like, you know, like, you way too smart. You way too, like, intelligent. Like, you have to apply yourself in something else because you got a lot more potential than the average person. And I knew that because when I was in prison, like, I was, like, a GED tutor. Like, that was one of my jobs. And really? Yeah, I was, like, I would teach people, like, their GEDs and stuff because they had tested me. I had a real high IQ. So I had um, graduated at, like, 17 and stuff like that. So when I went there, that's what I started doing. I started helping people get their GED. So when I came home, I'm like, dang, I really wanted to, like, continue, like, educating myself, but... The streets was calling me, so I, I had to do what I had to do. And that little set down for that month in the county jail saved my life and uh, changed everything around because I eliminated a lot of hustles that was really just throwing rocks at the penitentiary, and I just honed in on one or two. And um, and that's when I decided that I am going to go to college. So I moved completely out of my my area. It was the hardest thing to do, you know, from like, and I, I moved like, hour and a half away and just enrolled in in eastern Michigan and I was just I was like a personal trainer during the daytime going to school in the afternoon hustle at nighttime so that's what I did like every single day for like two years and then I started getting degrees and then once I seen like oh okay I got a few certifications 
seven of them. Then I'm like, oh. Seven certifications? I got seven certifications, yeah. Nice. So then I got associate's degree in accounting. So I'm like, dang. And I, I you know, cum laude, passed with honors, you know. That motivated me. That I really showed me. Like, yeah, look at, I'm not, you know, I'm not the ignorant person you thought I was. Like, you know, I'm intelligent. So it, it never helped me get a job. It oh. never helped me get a job. But it did a lot for my confidence. It, it did a lot for my confidence. So I continued. Then I got a bachelor's degree in uh, marketing. And then I got a master's degree in social psychology. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's, that's basically what happened after prison. And then from there, you know, I just, I took my money, you know, and I started putting in the real estate and, you know, flipping houses. And, you know, I started uh, doing stuff smarter, like running an escort service instead of trying to have girls on the, on a strobe. Like, why would I be out on the stroll where the police is a no, but escorts is okay. You know, women can come give you massages, take you to dinner. You know, it's just like right now you got eHarmony yeah. and all these, you know, dating websites. Like the escort services was the first dating site. So the, the, the helpless soul that, you know, needs a companion for the night, they would call me and I would send one of my college associates to them. And, you know, it'd be a fair exchange for everybody. Oh my gosh. So Yeah. It was, it, it, I, like I said, I started using different stuff, but then I, you know, was able to venture on into as an entrepreneur and um, open up cleaning services and landscaping sc- services and web design services. So I have a few different little business I try to dilly dally in, you know. Did a whole 180. And so you applied your hustle into lucrative businesses. Correct. Oh, man. Mm-hmm, That's correct. amazing. What a flip. I mean, it's not a flip to me because you got to remember, I was only doing crime to get money. So once I got knowledge and I found that, okay, they're not going to hire me in corporate America. You know, no one's going to give a two-time felon a a job, not not one of a master's degree of my staff. I should be making a, you know, a nice salary. But, you know, I can't get employed from nothing because of that. It never comes off your record. So learning the stuff that I learned in school about financing, marketing, and then, you know, networking with the people that you meet there. You know, you got a lot of brains there. You got women, men, teachers, professors, so on and so forth that, uh, you know, that you can all get game from. You know, I call it game. Like, you all can get game. And that game I applied to businesses and to life and to help me make the money I was making in the street without taking those chances. Nice. Very yeah. Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking with World Pennywell. Uh, This is part one of the interview. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to stay tuned for new episodes. And to stay up to date with the latest episodes, go to lccconnect.com. Or to keep in touch with the upcoming episodes and chances to be interviewed on my show, go to my new Facebook page called It's Brittany B. Capiche? Cool. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.